every podcast I say I'm a youth mentor I'm actually creating my own foundation brand brand new this year for me because I have an entrepreneur mindset I want to tackle the things that people haven't tackled so for instance getting the actual premises like really going for it so I've got a local petition that I'm starting you can find it on change.org which is basically turning the old NatWest building on Acton High Street to a youth community complex uh, so I just started a great idea to have a crowdfunding campaign in my local area so go and support us we've got a page and a link for that Hello, I'm Jerome, and welcome to the Desire to Inspire podcast. So this is like the fourth episode I'm recording. Um, and yeah, anyone listening first time, this is just about my life, what I do, why I do it. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, youth mentor. Um, and again, yeah, man, I can talk for England. So I feel like the best thing I can do is write a lot of stuff down, um, like thoughts generally, and obviously talk about it as well. Like I can, I love talking, so... Yeah, man, I just wanted to kind of start this episode off with, like, um, what I've been doing today um, and kind of, you know, my thoughts of the day, really. Um, so today is kind of like a regular routine day. Um, I had my morning routine, went to the gym, like, um, about 6 o'clock in the morning. I woke up at 5, um, kind of disciplining myself. Um, I've been going for a while now, so it's kind of a habit, so it's pretty easy. It was really raining as well in the morning, which is crazy. But I made it, done my hour, started my day great. I was preparing for a role that I'm, I may be starting in a few weeks, so I had to do some preparation for that. Um, so yeah, man, just, just always, always reassessing back to my plans and my goals and what I'm working towards and stuff. So yeah, it's been a really good day. Um, but in terms of the Alan Sugar book today, uh, what you see is what you get. Obviously, like I said, every day I would talk to you exactly what I'm reading, what I got from it, uh, what I want to apply, X, Y, and Z. But so far, because the book is literally about every part of his life, I'm not going to talk about the stuff that doesn't relate to business and entrepreneurship um, and stuff that I can't apply. So they say only 20% of every book you read um, is the stuff you're going to remember. And it's kind of true. The Parade Principle, they call it, 80-20. So... Um, I'm going to open up on this page. I didn't make much notes today. Like I said, there wasn't really much stuff I could take from it. Um, so I will basically spend the, the second half um, of this podcast talking about my general thoughts of the day. Um, so here now, we're going to read a, a section from his book where he talks about communication. And this is massive. Um, so he says here, communication was absolutely vital to me. It became my major tool in business achievement in over the years and I followed that. So obviously for him, he knows the importance of communication. And I feel technology has ruined and changed communication. I feel like in his day, you know, there might have been a direct way to, you know, you have to meet people. You had to, now we're kind of avoiding it and sitting on the phone and sitting on emails and social media now, like it's become so accessible in terms of the, the contact. So you could, for instance, on Facebook, you could just message someone you can call someone, you can video call on Instagram. So we're easily losing human interaction, we're easily losing communication. So I feel, even myself, I feel like I've got good communication and sometimes I get frustrated when trying to communicate with someone. Um, and I'm actually doing a six week course by Ryan Leslie and he talks about building relationships and communication. Um, and every week he gives you like a task. So you have to get all the numbers in your phone, um, break them down to how close you are to them, um, break them down into, you know, who needs you, who you need. So, um, yeah, I'm in like week four now. So in this week, it talks about the the spent time of um, 
response. So obviously, if you were to contact your mum and say, mum, I need your help, you're more likely to get a call. You know, that's just an example. So it says that basically through every medium of communication, you get expected time response depending on how well you know the person. And sometimes you might not even call someone because be you might not be close to them. So it's, it's really deep and there's a lot of stuff I'm going into. But I myself feel like I've got a good communication, but I can definitely get better. I don't want to improve people getting better. We're in a day and age where people are glued to their phone 24-7. It's literally like their handbag. And it's like, if you don't see a message, people actually see messages in three minutes of receiving them. So if people are now purposely not communicating well and people miss messages and especially with the messaging evolution, people are messaging people and people not knowing the context of it. So that's why I'm trying to learn the best and trying to remove the phone and trying to, like even just now, perfect example, my dad is 61. I, I text him and I said, dad, how are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Come link me. That's how it always used to be back in the day. Like my dad wasn't on sitting on the phone talking, you know, for him, you can go on for England. He's, that's probably where I get it from about the phone and they're making money of just talking to people where if you just meet them, you can talk forever, you know? So we're losing that. And I like that sometimes. I like to go and travel, even if it takes me time to go and actually have a conversation with somebody, right? Um, so we need to kind of know, you know, where where we've come from and where we are and have a hybrid of both. I don't believe in eradicating the old theories and, you know, traditions and stuff, but then I'm still like, I don't want to just do what it's done because it's been done. There's an evolution for a reason. So I like to have a hybrid of both. So like I said, I like to meet people. I would rather meet people. I would rather use the phone as short communication exchanges. And then when we meet, that can be the majority of it. Um, so communication seems like Alan was kind of really bang on that. And that kind of resonated with me even to this day. People, just people just generally, and I don't think it's no one's fault because it happens so much with so much different people. And I always think to myself, like, why are these people so bad communicators? Um, so I'm going to do two um, takeaways. This podcast is about giving information and knowledge. And I don't know everything but I definitely have something in me that wants to share, that cares. You know, if you go on my Facebook, it's just a, just sharing information that I come across, that I'm just passionate and inspired, and I just share it for the sake of it because you know, you don't you don't know who's watching, and I feel that that's the whole point. Because um, I've learned from people that are doing podcasts, and they might just do it for their own pleasure. They might do it for themselves, and I've listened and learned. So this book, I haven't even read it yet because I'm reading the Science of Conversation by. Um, Elizabeth Stoke from, from my, the foundation of my book but this book I haven't read it yet it's so so key I literally just went on Amazon and I typed in communication and it's called The Art of Communication uh, the author has accumulated the miracle of mindfulness so yeah I haven't read it yet obviously but um, if I just go to the contents I can kind of read what it goes through so it says essential food communicating with yourself the keys of communication with others which is key the six months of loving speech. And this is just the first five context pages. Um, and when difficulty arises. Um, so this is, I think this is going to help me. Um, especially chapter um, seven, where it says creating community in the world. Um, so this is key. This is so, so key. And I feel like because we're in a day and age of so much distractions, the time of expected response is, 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 is what Ryan Leslie was saying is different. So if you're speaking to someone, for instance, let's make an example in a video chat. And they say, oh, yeah, what are you doing tomorrow? And they take 10 minutes to answer. You might think something's wrong with them. But if someone messages you and says, what are you doing tomorrow? And they take 
10 minutes to answer you. You might think, oh, they're just busy. But like I said before, people look at their phone more now than they ever did. I just remember having a mobile phone and it just being in the house, not in your pocket, not in your hand. Like, so the fact that it's literally a part of your, your, your it's like clothes. It's like you got, it's like you wear it. So the time of expected response with someone that in this day and age that has their phone should be higher than it is. Um, and I know people get busy and not everybody's glued to their phone. I'm making a general statement, but this is just from what I see and just from my own life. I don't know everybody's life, but that's just what I think. Um, so yeah, like I said, that's the only information that I got from Alan's book, but I'm going to continue reading it tomorrow and see if I get any information. So today I had some like some really good thoughts and I've, I've, I've spoke about this before, like on other podcasts and other stuff that I've done in the past with, I used to, I used to do a Young Entrepreneurs podcast uh, with some people in, in my Young Entrepreneur network um, and we used to touch on these topics, but it's, it's come more apparent to me because I work in schools, I work with youth and I've got niece and nephews and I really, really care about their future, like in, in, in a, I would say an obsessive way, like, cause I, I, I want to really want to know, like, how is this going to shape my kids? You know, when I have kids, these are going to be the people that they're looking at. So I look at it like that, like what I feed them, they feed, they feed the next generation. So it's a trickle down effect. So we're in a different day and age where you're not going to get a job for 20 years. Like anybody now, if you're looking at like the UK education system, you go to uni, even if you don't want to go to uni, you get a job, maybe your early 20s, right? Or your mid 20s. Um, I don't think anybody's going to stay in a job for 20 years. I think we've lost that, regardless of whether it's a career, whether it's a job. Because I know people in, I used to work in a job for seven years. And at that point, I knew at 25, I don't want to be in a Because after a year, I was like, I want to leave, I don't like it. And it, I was just kind of forced to stay there and whatever. But there was people there that were 25 years, 30 years in one job, one role. Like, even if you work your way up the ladder, who wants to go to the same company every day for that long? But that was that day and age. I, I believe that, like, like getting married young was that day and age. Like, Alan Sugar got married in his 20s. That was normal. Um, and you married someone and you were with them for... I think we've even lost that as well. This generation is probably the most change of everything generation, meaning that everything has changed. I was making a comment as well, like couples, in my generation, I'm 32, there's not a lot of people that have been with their partner for 10 years, like 10 years a minimum, and they're two people, right? Relationships don't last long. People have so many options on social media. People have so many distractions around them. And it's so, so easy, sounds bad to cheat because it's not like they can only contact you through your phone. Be I know people that have multiple accounts and you know, emails and shit. It gets, it gets, the level of like cheating now is crazy because people can just, you know, have different numbers and different things for different people and live a double life and it's just like it's crazy. I'm not gonna lie. It's not like you could just have the phone, you know. But that's what I'm saying. A lot of stuff have changed and I'm seeing it change. I'm seeing it a lot. And I feel like when I heard that quote, I went to a West London property network I used to go to in Chiswick. And I remember there's a, a man and his son and they was in business together. And we had a conversation about that. Like he was saying that his son is not going to be in a, a job for 20 years. That day and age is gone. Um, I think because I'm going to go into it later because I think the expansion of um, entrepreneurship um, and, and, and the internet, the opportunity the internet gives you um, and mortgages too. I feel like 
the system is go to education from your five to your 21, really, because they want everyone to go to university. Um, but even if you start to work when you're 18, 19, from you get to like your 20s, you would have found someone at some point. Uh, people are having sex a lot. Uh, so we know that, you know, unplanned pregnancies is, 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 is normal in this day and age. Um, so people haven't got time to really figure their life out. So by the time they settled down and had a child and moved out of their house, they're forced to get a mortgage and, you, and you're forced to stay in the career you don't like because you've got a mortgage in a house. And I remember just being, I was fortunate in my job for seven years. I worked with a lot of old people. A lot of people were in their 40s, 50s. A lot of people were grandparents, like, so I used to learn from them. I used to learn like, oh yeah, like what's your what's your parents like with race? Like, you know. And I learned that a lot of the old people really was like stuck to their own in terms of dating. Um, I used to ask people questions like, um, marriage, like, you know, because marriage is such like, you know, the epitome of life is to get married and like be with someone and you know, and if you're not by a certain age, people look at you strange, like like marriage, like, why is that such a high thing? I'm not gonna lie for me, marriage isn't that high. Children is the biggest commitment. Um, and people get married for the wrong reasons, you know, society pressure, family pressure, parents pressure. Um, so you should get married with someone you love. Um, not saying people don't love each other, but a lot of the conversations I've had is of people that have been married for I don't know how many years and it was good for the first one or two years and then it's shit. And then you don't get out of that. You just end up staying because you want to have this unit because once you have children, you don't want to create that cycle. Um you know, or broken homes, because that can have an effect on the children. So it's tough, man. That's why it's so important to learn from people you see and have conversations with people so you can do different. That's the whole point. Um, so, yeah, another thing I was thinking about today, uh, along with the careers and the, and the mortgages, is university for young people, like, that was born from 2002 onwards. Obviously, the increase, and everyone knows about the increasing of the student loans of like people going to university, getting maintenance loans and, and tuition fees and that going increasingly high. I just remember when I started, it was just a couple grand. Like, and then my mom was telling me when she went to uni, it was a couple hundred. Like now it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like mortgage money just to go do three years. In, in, it's crazy. So I remember someone making a, making a comment like about uni saying, there's no guarantee that you're going to get a job, but there's definitely a guarantee you got to pay back that money. And it's not like uh, normal debt. This debt comes out of your wages. Depends on how much money you make. So if you was to make more money, not your intact, your taxes will increase normally. Income tax and national insurance, and then your student loan increases. So there's more deductions to your monthly pay packet on top of your living wages, on top of trying to save for the future. Like if you if you really look at the system, man, is it's set up for people to fail. So it, the way out of it for me anyway. This is just me speaking. Is entrepreneurship that is for me the best path you can create, not just for yourself, for your family um, and for people around you. It's so key. And one of the biggest changes that I've looked at is, is the gig economy. I remember when I was working for Wagamama as a delivery driver and um, I would work for Pizza Hut before that. And this is just when I got my bike. This is like 15, 2015, 2014. And I was riding around and, you know, I was delivering food and stuff like that. And then obviously... Even around that time, like, Uber wasn't even big, really. There was no Uber. People were still getting cabs. So, for me, that's when I saw the change with Uber and delivery in London. It was 2014-15. So, around that time, the the way things have been done were different. Tech has taken over. 
So I, I watch a lot of business stuff and there's a business model canvas about Uber and Deliveroo. And what they've done, they skipped the steps and made it simple on app. You know, they made everything, location, they take the money first, all the problems that happened before when you booked a cab got taken over. And same with Deliveroo, like tech has changed the model because they've made it easy, you know. So obviously people are delivering pizzas for years. People have been getting the cabs for years, but technology has revolutionized it because they've made the steps easy. And I believe like the black cabs, for instance, have made it hard for Uber drivers. And I feel Uber... I haven't worked as an Uber driver, but I've been in many Ubers over the last five years. And I've known Uber has been so, such a, a beneficial thing for both parties. It's great for somebody that's ordering a cab. They get it quick when they want, um, you know, and it's easier for the worker. They can work at the job on the side. They've got their own car. Yes, people want to scream about employee rights, but just get a job then. Just get a job. Don't complain. Because if you want to have that freedom and the flexibility, every time I ask any Uber driver, the first thing they say is flexibility. Yes, that you can make money. Sometimes it's not always about making the most. And sometimes, you know, you've got to find something that you can learn rather than just that. So that's the most important thing. If you've got a family, you can work when you want. It's controllable. And you do your own tax and national insurance. So there's going to be a lot of people doing the gig economy and just a brief overview people don't know what the gig economy is it's gig like I do music so it's that kind of thing where you get paid for a job for a day or you work when you want it's not like it's like a zero hour contract basically so you're not working there permanently but you can there's no the beauty of it what I love about it and I've done it as well is that there's no there's no end and there's no period and you're essentially you're your own boss you're working for a service that's provided for you you don't have to do nothing right apart from the job itself. So I think, for me, it worked very, very well when I'd done um, Deliveroo 2015, 16, 16, 17, sorry. That's when I was doing it. So it worked really well for me. Um, it helped me out a lot. And the reasons why I was doing it was just literally the same thing. It was flexibility. Um, so, yeah, the way we're changing work has changed. The future of work is changing because of this thing that I said before. Young people aren't staying job for 20 years. Right, I remember even in 2015, again, going back to then, I, I, I looked at my HMRC things and I was like, raw, like, man, it really stayed in jobs for long, like, like six months, a few months, eight months, like, it was never a year, like, a year was, like, the minimum. I don't think I've ever even now, to be honest, once I left my job in, for seven years in 2006 to 2013, I've never had a job for longer than a year. Like, literally, I've never, I've, I've never had it because I, I just said to myself, I don't want to do that. Like, and, the, and, the, and the gig works for me because it's just like you're moving around. You're still making money. Yes, you haven't got the security, but you got the... For me, the most important thing is the relationships in different um, places so you get to meet different people. So for me, that's changing the way we work, um, not just in deliveries and, and, and Ubers. Other, other lines of work too. Obviously, the legislations and the laws have to change um, for the workers. And it will massively. There's going to be the pensions are going to change, sick pay is going to change. It's going to be a completely different. Like maybe not now, but in like five, ten years. Like I said, like my my niece and nephews and my children. Like that whole work life is is changing, and it's never. It's been the same for years. Um. So now is is the time where things are really changing, and um. Yeah. So going back onto that, I wanted to kind of talk about the human evolution, which I just finished talking about. Um, and again, the internet being the best, the best invention um, in terms of possibility of, of, of opportunities. 
um, again, entrepreneurship revolution. It's from the internet revolution. And another book I wanted to drop on you guys um, was a really good book by Daniel Priestley called Entrepreneur Revolution, uh, which basically talks about that. And if you really want to read books about how you can specifically use it, because he goes into kind of, again, what the stuff I talked about, like the environment changing, the work life changing, the internet. But if you really want to read something to practically use to help you, it's called Crush It by Gary Vee. Amazing. It talks about how people have used YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, these platforms to create. And, and, and even me, like 95%, it's probably an exaggeration, but 95% of when I started my business in 2014 was on the internet from marketing, from getting people, from advertising, from literally like everything, from finding a build, like everything. You can't do, not, you can't do nothing on it. You can do anything on the internet, basically. Right? If you want to start, you're probably going to start on the internet. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you couldn't really start on the internet. You had to do it off relationships and meeting people and going to places. So this has became the oyster of the world. Um, so that's what I like. And I feel like in this generation, the benefit, the biggest benefit is that people are going to be more conscious about their money, more conscious about their personal finance. Young people today need to save, need to invest, need to think about their future. You know, create some sort of um, financial stability in their life. And I feel like through entrepreneurship, through great investments, you could do that. Um, and that's the beauty of all of the change, I feel. The, the youth today can get, you know, people like me who was millennials go to my niece and nephews and say, save your money, invest your money, do this, do that. We didn't have our parents and elders tell us that because of the way systematically it was when, um, you know, even black people, like when we came here, we was struggling, we had to work. And then generation after was like, they'd done all the fighting and surviving. So for me, it only came to like the the late 90s. Anyone born in the late 90s, um, mid, mid 80s, these are the people that really was born into that change of life. Like for me, I'm an 80s baby, I'm biased, but I believe generally 1980 to 1989 was the change of everything. You know, in terms of music, in terms of technology, um, in terms of movies, like literally everything, everything started technology. Like so many things was started in the 80s and progressed in the 80s and then spilled into the 90s and then in the 2000s was really the change of a lot of the stuff, which was, it was. I remember going to school and it was like, yeah, like 2000, like there's a new decade, it's a new year and it's a new century. That whole, that was a whole change. I remember going to school hearing that. Um, so that's the benefit and a lot of people need to be conscious with their money. I'm even speaking to myself, I'm not the best, but definitely in the last two years, like I said, entrepreneurship has helped me in so many ways. One of them has helped me is really, really fixing up my finances, looking at my credit report, making sure my financial statement is on point. My budgeting is so strict. Like, you know, you got to really, like I was saying this before, just be like a master of money, not a slave. It's a discipline. It's not easy. We want You want to have our cake and eat it. But the, 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 the fundamental thing is to save money and learn how to cut back and not buy things you don't need. Um, and I feel it's been a journey for me personally. And I just remember this guy telling me about this lady who wrote this article about moneynomics. And really, the, the, if you want to start from zero, it's about earning money, spending less than you earn, save, invest, repeat the process on a simple level. Like that's it. And I'm so passionate about it because I've been bad with money. I'm still in a hole and getting myself out of it. And I just want any young person hearing this, don't spend too much. Save as much as you can and invest in your future. 
I'm done with that part. But yeah, and and, and today I work in a school and I just made a slight observation. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, don't know. But I was that kid in school, secondary school, where I hang around a lot of black people and people always used to get onto us and say, oh yeah, you look always loud. And But in my family, where I come from, we're all loud. So it's normal to me. We're just talking normally. And, you know, in schools, cultures clash. So teachers might say, oh, yeah, go and deal with them kids over there. They're loud. In my head, I'm thinking they're just, they're not causing no trouble. Like, they're not doing anybody any harm. They might be shouting a bit. But I don't feel it's right, me, personally, for a lady to go over to a group of black kids and say, if you don't calm down, you need to go outside. So you're basically telling them they can't be themselves. Like, again, I'm black, so I come from loudness. And so it's normal to me. So as an adult, looking at children doing that, I'm not going to intervene and say you shouldn't do that. But I understand in Jewish, some Jewish communities, it may be very reserved and very quiet. And when we're there amongst each other, they don't get as loud. So I kind of get it. But we need to kind of let people be them. And that's the biggest thing that doing this mentorship journey in the youth mentorship is tied to my generational wealth goal. It's tied to me trying to help the future generations. And one of the things that I read was that mentors need to really come from the same background in terms of being close in age. I think I've said this before, um, being the same race, you know, having black staff members in schools, there's very few, very few that black students can identify with. Um, I'm so passionate about it as well, especially the, the boys, the black boys. And uh, you've got to make a stance, you've got to do something. You know, that's why I kind of started this role. I wanted to have something that was rewarding, something that can, as part of me, my life. Like I feel like my why is to help the next generation is to create generational wealth. So how could I start that today? Some stuff is long-term, but today I can just apply for a job and walk into school and give kid, give a young black kid some sort of small advice that the seed get planted on that day might help him in five, 10 years. And that's my mentality. Um, and people need to relate to their children, like I said, from their background, where they come from, um, in terms of like, if you had learned difficulties, if you have family problems, if you, you can relate to the child. That's what a mentor is. A mentor is someone that's done what you've done and been where you are, and that's where they are today, and they can give you advice and direction because they've been in your position. So whether you're a mentor in life, whether you're a mentor in business, whether you're a youth mentor, it all comes from experience. That is the foundation, I believe. So you can look at someone on paper and say, okay, you haven't studied this degree, 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 but I've lived life. I've, I've seen it all. Um, and I always say that my life is like Good Kid, Mad City. If you ever heard Kendrick Lamar's story for the album, he was that good kid around the badness and chose to do good. I feel like I resonate with that so much. Um, I was around it. I'm definitely streetwise, but I, I never took the the route of like trying to be a bad man. And do you know what I mean? Because I saw so much around it in my family and my in my peer group that I didn't want to repeat that. All right, that's a story for another day. I can't go on for too long. Okay, like I said, I could talk for England, but. I feel like I touched on a lot of good points today um, and I'll be back. This is the Desire to Inspire podcast.